goddamn week. All right. Well. Testing. All right.
Testing. Marlo, are you there? Good evening. I'm here. Great. You can mute. James. Jim Waddell. My man. Are you there? Jim is here. Go out. All right. I can hear you. Good. Good. Jeff, let's see what yep. you sound like in your background. Well, I can hear you. It's it, it's on and off. I'm hoping that they stop in the here. next five minutes or so because it's dark out here. All right, we'll let you mute. Everybody can mute, and we're ready to go. And can you mute? Just, just come can on you? if you have to. Just and, and we'll go. We're no, good. Can, can you mute me because I can't, I no, can't I can. find my mute button on this thing. I can't. Uh, All right, let me look at it for yes a while. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Got you muted. Okay.
10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Good evening. Welcome to another evening of Fit Burton Friends. We are also going to cover, as always, the very best in women's sports and HBC athletics. Before we get started tonight, we just want to take about 20 seconds to pause. Number one, a student at Tennessee State University this past week or weekend committed suicide. And number two, for those who haven't heard, this morning, Nashville, Tennessee, in a private Christian school, Covenant School, three adults, three children. Someone walked in, shot and killed them. So let's take about 20 minutes, 20 seconds of silence, and let's have a, a word of meditation and prayer. All right. Thank you so much. We're going to get started tonight. We're trying to get Jim to come back in the co-host room, but we're going to start. Marlo, tell everybody hello. Good evening. I couldn't find my button. Good evening, everyone. All right. Thank you, Marlo. You can leave your line open. And I'm going to ask Jeff Butts, who's with us tonight. Uh, we can hear him pretty well. Yes, yes. Good evening, folks. Good evening. All righty. And Jim is going to try to get back in. He was in here. He's coming back. So we're just going to ask you brief words before we get started. Marlo, what are your thoughts on what's going on? Tennessee State University, suicide, and then today at Covenant Christian School. What's going on and what could be done? My heart just goes out to the family everyone, you know, the young lady um, at uh, Wilson Hall, which is usually as the freshman dorm, you know, this day and age, you just don't know what's going on with the, you know, in the minds of students, you know, everything that they have going on. And then even with the shooter, you know, the young lady who went in, um, the, the report said that she was actually a former student of the school. So, you know, you just never know what make people make the decisions that they make to just go in and just take lives like that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just praying for everyone involved. It's it's heartbreaking, very heartbreaking. And I mean, at this point, I, I just don't know what we can do. You know, they every time this happens, it's always a, the conversation comes up about the guns, gun controls. And, you know, it's just interesting to see, you know, what what what's going to be said differently. Jeff, such an incredible time we're living in right now. Um, you know, we feel so sorry for the families that have been affected. Uh, we got to pay attention. We got to pay attention. Um, you know, so many things are happening. We're becoming desensitized. Mm -hmm. And we really have to pay attention to what's going on. You know, you have the events in Nashville. You have the events uh, in Mississippi. You've got events going on in Israel right now. It's, 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 it's a really difficult time. You know, and so stay aware. Uh, I don't know if you know about that Bible, but pay attention. Jim? Unmute yourself, Jim. 
My connection is going to stop. Okay, we're going to move on for now, and we'll try to come back to Jim later on on the men's segment. Okay, here we go. Our last weekend, our last week, Wilma Rudolph, Woman of the Month. And I want to talk about <clears throat> this Olympian's death and legacy. In July of 1994, Wilma Rudolph was diagnosed with brain cancer. She also had been diagnosed with throat cancer. Her condition deteriorated rapidly, and she died on November 12th. 1994, at the age of 54, at a home in Brentwood, a suburb of Nashville, Tennessee. Rudolph's legacy lies in her efforts to overcome obstacles that included childhood illnesses and a physical disability to become the fastest runner in the world in 1960. At the 1960 Rome Olympics, she became the first American woman to win three gold medals in a single Olympiad. Rudolph was one of the first role models for Black and female athletes. Her Olympic success gave a tremendous boost to women's track in the United States. Rudolph's celebrity also caused gender barriers to be broken at pre previously all-male track and field events, such as the Millrose Games. In addition to athletic accomplishments, Rudolph is remembered for her contributions to youth, including founding and heading the Wilma Rudolph Foundation, which trains young athletes. Her life is remembered in numerous publications, especially books for young readers, Rudolph's life has been featured in the documentary, documentary films and made for television movies, too. Marlo, one more time, comment on our Woman of the Month, Wilma Rudolph. It's been an honor uh, to honor this legend, this legendary Tiger Bell, uh, <laughs> sorry, Wilma Rudolph. <laughs> I've enjoyed this. Thank you very much. Um, just to add, um, it was interesting that she, after she completed her um, her career, she actually went back and, you know, I think someone had mentioned that she went back to teach and coach, um, but she actually began her, um, began as a second grade teacher at the elementary school, Cobb Elementary School, where she had attended as a child. And then she had coached at uh, Burt High School. Um, yeah where she had been a student athlete there um, herself. And then um, just reading about her, she lived, she kind of stayed in that Midwest, what they call the Midwest area, cause she lived in Chicago, Indianapolis, St. Louis, Detroit, you know, Tennessee, kind of in that little cluster. And then it goes on to say, of course, California, Maine, um, were also some of her residents, but we know back back in Tennessee. But it's been an honor just sharing information about about her, the legendary. Tiger Bell, TSU. All righty. Thanks so much. <laughs> now, we're going to move on. I want to talk about someone else, our Woman of the Month. Let's give Wilma a clap first. <clears throat> and I'm going to get Jeff to comment on this. I don't know if he's heard of this one. Our Woman of the Month next month, and we stick it with track and field. Alice Marie Coachman Davis, born November 9, 1923, to July 14, 2014. American athlete, African-American. She was the first African-American to ever win Olympic gold. She won a gold in the high jump in 1948 Olympics in London. So yes, 
before there was Wilma, there was Alice, and she is from Albany, Georgia. We're going to talk about her story all month. Remember, there was no Voting Rights Act. There was no kind of Civil Rights Act. Wow. She became Olympics through the segregated South. In fact, her own daddy didn't think that girls should be athletes and whipped her when she was young for trying to become an athlete. But that story persists. Alice Coachman. I want our listeners to look it up. We got a whole month. But Jeff, tell me what you think about that right off the bat. I'm definitely one of those listeners that have to look it up. I have no idea about this. I got to brush oh, yeah. up. <laughs> uh, but that's amazing. That's amazing. She's a ceiling. She's a ceiling breaker. I mean, okay. that's just incredible. So I'm yeah. not going to pretend to comment on that. <laughs> Jim, can you come through? Jim's still having a little bit of trouble. Here we go. We're going to go on to our next story. This uh, <clears throat> this next week's guest, I want to mention her right now. She's Fisk University's Renee Spencer. She's a basketball Hall of Famer, went into our Basketball Hall of Fame in 2021 at Fisk University. She's a community supporter. She's an educator. She's a role model. And she represents everything great about Fisk women basketball, sports, and athletics. And I want you to hear her opinions and her views on a lot of great matters. So we're gonna have a treat because here on Cliff Burt, we want to, we want to notice those who go to small HBCUs as well as those that are famous. Renee Spencer. Okay, we have another woman. This is Women's Month. This young lady just went into the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame. Her name, Teresa Phillips. Teresa Phillips has a print all over Nashville, Tennessee. She was the first African-American female to play at Vanderbilt University on the women's basketball team. And she then went on to a coaching career and started at Fisk in 1987. And in two years, she took Fisk to the WIAC championship, and Fisk women hadn't been there in a while. Then she got the call to Tennessee State University, where she went down there. She won several OVC championships coaching women. Also, she coached the men's varsity for one game, and then she went on to an incredible career as the athletic director at Tennessee State University. Overall, in the OVC, Tennessee State won 12 championships under her leadership. So, Teresa Lawrence Phillips, and we're going to try to get her on the show. She's also featured in the book that Dr. Harriet Kimber Hamilton talked about, Tennessee Trailblazers, 50 Women, 50 Years. But we just want to recognize her tonight before we get out of Women's History Month. Teresa Phillips. All right. We love her. We have a little bit more for you. Uh, Trinity Thomas, she's a gymnast at the University of Florida. The University of Florida just won their third Southeastern Conference Gymnastics Championship. But this young lady, African-American, has just received Gymnast of the Year in the Southeastern Conference for the third consecutive year, a feat that has not been done in 20 years. So one more time, 
Ms. Trinity Thomas. <laughs> Jeff, what do you think about that one? You're killing me. You're killing me, man. <laughs> Just a matter of a feat for an African-American young lady to do that in the SEC gymnastics. Yeah, that's just impressive, man. That's just impressive. Yeah. And we and we have some more for you. Jim, I'm coming to you on this one if you can get through. And then we'll come to Marlo. Staying with gymnastics, another African-American female, Sierra Brooks. I actually saw her live this year. University of Michigan, we talked about her. She was just the name, the Big Ten Gymnast of the Year. So Sierra Brooks is doing it up in Michigan. And let's give her a big, big round of applause. Jim, can you get through? If not, Marla will come through for you. Jim's from Michigan. Jim, he's trying. All right, Marlo, Sierra Brooks. Oh, yeah, I can see Miss Sierra and Miss uh, Trinity on that next Olympic team, you know, mm -hmm. in the next couple of years. So you might as well just remember the names, Trinity Thomas and Sierra Brooks behind the legendary Dominique Dawes, Gabby Douglas, and yes. Simone Biles. And the next two are coming behind them. So they are, they're awesome. Especially if you score, what, a perfect 10 yes. in all four apparatuses. That's crazy. Yes. So that, that's, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Jim, do I hear you? Jim? Yeah, I, I'm excited to see what's, uh, you know, what will come of these young ladies. Congratulations uh -huh. to them. Wow. All right. Oh, that's, yeah. Okay. Uh, Jim coming through. All righty. We have some more for you. This is Women's History Month. Now, the USBA has named the Women's Basketball Coach of the Year none other than Dawn Staley. But hold Come on. on now. <laughs> hold on. The NCAA, when they named their teams and players and All-Americans, they gave the Coach of the Year to Lynn Roberts of Utah. Wow. Uh oh, what do you think, Jeff? I hear you think. Listen, man. <laughs> Listen, man. I, for her accomplishments, let's let's not even get into coaching. Pre-coaching her accomplishments were incredible, and so now you know what she's done. You know, coaching is just—you cannot overlook her. You cannot overlook her. I wonder if they took that took that poll, uh, it expanded that poll and got some more votes with some coaches, you know, some of her peers and see what folks would say. Mm -hmm. I wonder, you know, you got to give it thought, but you can't, you cannot deny her right now. You cannot deny her right now. And I'm glad for her. I'm happy for her accomplishments and what they're doing for her. I'm glad she got her bag. That's for sure. So, you know, just incredible. Marlo, Don Staley. The general, that's what I, I, I <laughs> <laughs> every time I'm, I agree with you, Jeff. Yes, definitely. She is, they are giving her her due and she is so well deserving of it. So um, I just hope her team, you know, is able to move forward um, to the final four. Um, but all in all, she, you know, I, I really enjoy watching her coach and she um, all around, you know, Classy lady mm -hmm. and coach. Yeah, they're up 38-30 right now on Brenda Fries and Maryland and in the second quarter. So we'll see how that game goes because uh, 
this has been quite a March Madness. <laughs> Women and men. <laughs> Gemma, I hear you laughing. Do I? Now that's me, Cliff. That's me okay. laughing. All right. We'll keep pushing tonight. We have some more for you. Now, the NAIA, right, with the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference, the one that Fisk University is in, um, this year in women's sports, they had three student athletes named to the NAIA Basketball All-Americans, okay? Maya Buchanan from Fisk University let, was second in the country in rebound. She's a second team, NAIA All-American. And then you had Naya, no, Maya Yelda from Philander Smith. That young lady can shoot the basketball. They went to the national tournament this year. She's an honorable, honorable mention, NAIA All-American. And then Katie Blackman from Rush University, and they won the conference in the NAIA, mm -mm, won the conference in the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference, and they also went to the tournament. All three NAIA All-Americans, and the third one is an honorable mention. Let's give it up for them. We want to mention the women. They're doing it in business and in the NFL. Jeff, I'm asking about this one. I know I'm stuck with you tonight. And Marlo, she does, she's been doing some work on it. Here we go. President Sandra Douglas. She is the first team president, African-American female, the first female NFL team president of the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm going to go to Marlo first, Jeff. I'll let you get started. Marlo. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned her because they just saw her. I just saw a story that they just um, spoke, interviewed her on the uh, evening news, the CBS evening news this evening. So, man, I, th I think it's awesome that she, I mean, the first NFL team president is a sister. Mm -hmm. that, that, that's awesome. Yep. What's the odds in Las Vegas? Come so. on. <laughs> <laughs> Jump. Man, I, I didn't get the memo on this, but I tell you what, you put a sister in that in that boardroom, you know, they're gonna get some things done, that's for sure. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So we have a team president, and then also the Denver Broncos, we have a minority owner in Condoleezza Rice, and she's in uh, uh, Melody Hobson, the famous financier from Aero Mutual Fund. They are minority owners of the Denver Broncos. And then you have the Williams sisters who are also minority owners of the Miami Dolphins. So there you have our, our women in ownership and also in management positions. So uh, they have it. We're going to take a short break and we're going to come right back and we're going to get started again. We'll finish up with the women. One minute.
Welcome back to Cliff Burton's Friends. All right, featuring the very best women's athletics and HBC sports. Now, let me give you a little more women's action. This is what the NCAA 2023 picks are. Player of the year, I have to agree with her. Caitlin Clark of Iowa. She shoots the ball like Steph Curry, Marlo Langell, Caitlin Clark of Iowa. She had 40 points, I think 12 or 10 rebounds, and 10 assists or 12 assists to lead her team to the final four for the University of Iowa. Marlo, Caitlin Clark. Yes. Now, she I didn't even know who she was, and I didn't really watch Iowa too much. Um, you know, I didn't, wasn't really following them until I saw them in the tournament. And, mm -hmm. I mean, when I watched her, yeah, she, Steph, uh, the female Steph Curry. Yes, she <laughs> yes. Every time she gets the ball, you can, you already know when she shoots, it's going in. Uh-huh. Jeff, have you heard about No, it? I haven't, but it's a shame that, you know, with these young ladies that play at this level, that they don't get paid at that level when they come out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the highest paid for the uh, WNBA is about $258,000, mm -hmm. Brianna Stewart. And she had to take a pay cut this year to come to New York. So you're right, Jeff. Now, Incredible. let me give you a little more. Caitlin Clark averaged 26.8 points per game this year, 8.6 assists, and 7.3 rebounds. She is the real deal. Probably the best player guard I've seen since Diana Taurasi as far as just pure score. Mm. I mean, she's something special. She's something special. Let's keep going. Coach of the year. Now, here it is. Lynn Roberts of Utah. Now, let's give her some props. She took over a team that was 21-12 in 2021-22 season and 8-7 and seven in the conference record. They went as high as number three in the eight rankings and she got them to the sweet 16. So improvement wise, okay, maybe. But over Dawn Staley, and well, let's be positive. We won't put on the booze tonight. All righty, <laughs> let's go on. <laughs> Defensive player of the year, none other than Aaliyah Boston from South Carolina. Now, she was player of the year last year, but Aaliyah Boston had to tone her offensive game down this year. They have so much talent and depth that she just plays within the team system and just wins. She averages two blocks and 6.3 defensive rebounds per game. But uh, she's so much more than that. And, again, they're going for that repeat. So let's see what happens. Now, this one we haven't heard of, freshman year, Tania Latson. And the reason is her team didn't make the March Madness tournament for Florida State. But let me give you her stats. Her team was 23 and 10. Seminoles. 21.9 points per game. She ranks 11th amongst all NCAA players. She also had 4.5 rebounds and 2.9 assists per game. Freshman scored 34 points twice this season. What do you think about her, Marlo? This freshman, Tania Latson, Florida State. We haven't heard much about her. Well, what do you think of her stats? That's amazing as a freshman. <laughs> wow, that that's awesome. I hope she doesn't. I hope she doesn't jump in the transfer portal going coming up to South Carolina. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. Jeff, awesome. what about your stats? 
Florida State. Well, man, I, she definitely not going to be a secret. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, they they read they read the stat books on her right now. She's not going to be a secret. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh-huh. And Jim, you just keep trying to get through. Whenever you come through, we'll pick you pick you up, Jim. Now, let's stay with the females. All Americans first team: Caitlin Clark, Iowa; Aaliyah Boston, South Carolina; Alyssa Pilly, Utah; Maddie Sierra Gris, leading scorer in the country, Villanova, and she just declared for the WNBA draft. Now she had a fifth year of eligibility because of the COVID. She said, "Forget it, I'm going now." Okay, so she's gone. And then the Miss Double Double, she set the Miss Double Double record. Angel Reese of LSU, she's in the Final Four. Now. I'm going to name the second team, and then I have a question. Elizabeth Kitley, Virginia Tech, they're playing tonight for a trip to the Final Four. First time in school's history, uh, Dr. Terry Williams, or soon to be Dr. Terry Williams, and Coach Brittany Anderson, who's both been on the show, uh, we wish them well, former Hokies. Mackenzie Holmes, Indiana. Diamond Miller, she's playing tonight for Maryland. They're playing against Aaliyah Boston right now in South Carolina. She's a player. Cameron Brink of Stanford, and Olivia Miles. Now, Notre Dame got knocked out of the tournament, but Olivia Miles is hurt. She didn't play in the NCAA tournament this year for Coach Smiley. Now, let me tell you who's not on either team. Haley Jones from Stafford. She was picked to be the runner-up second-best player in the country this year, and she's projected to be the second pick in the WNBA draft. She had a solid year, but just didn't make the other All-American teams her senior year. Let's give it up. These ladies have done a great job, and so have the coaches for um, for their respective teams this year. Incredible. Yep. Yep. All righty. We said we're going to bring it to you this year, and we're going to just bring it to you in one level. We're going to bring it to you at all the levels. So let's talk about it right now. At the Division Two, no, Division Three, and all three women's national championship games will be played in Dallas, Texas, next week. Division Three, Division Two, and Division One. Before we do that, the NAIA champion, March 18th, was crowned. Let's not get it confused. Mm. The University of Clark out of Iowa <laughs> defeated Moore. College out of Kentucky, 63 to 53, to win the NAIA championship. The University of Clark, okay, out of Iowa, won the NAIA championship. Marla, what are you thinking? <laughs> that's nice. I mean, I had never, I've never heard of this school before. Um, and that's the, you know, the good thing about March Madness and and, and the NI, NAIA tournaments and you know the other tournaments because you get a chance to you know hear about some of these schools that of course that you never hear about um so i mean uh congratulations to them i'm happy for them yeah and jim's going to bring us all the men's scores we can't do tonight he'll bring mm-hmm. it to us next week right before the championship now that's division NAIA division three transylvania will mm-hmm. be playing christopher newport News out of Virginia the same weekend. These ladies will be squaring off for the Division Three NCAA championships. Okay, so these two teams are two levels or three levels have all done a great job, and we want to make sure we recognize them. P 
people don't realize every year there's March Madness in four divisions, NAIA, yeah. Division One, Division Two, and Division Three. All righty? Yeah. Yeah. That's how much March Madness is really going on. Okay. All right. Now let's go on down to Division One, where we are right now. And uh, we have two teams in, Iowa, Caitlin Clark, LSU, Angel Reese. But right now, Brenda Freese is going up against South Carolina. Brenda Freese is a former NCAA champion herself. She's no joke. And she's done a tremendous coaching job this year. She lost four players to the transfer portal, hmm. including Angel. I think Angel Reese was there. And yet she's reloaded and she's playing right now and going toe-to-toe with Dawn Staley. Okay? The other game, Virginia Tech will play Ohio State. There's some history here. First of all, Ohio State knocked off Gino Ariyama and the Yukon Huskies. This is the first year that Gino Ariyama in 16 seasons is not going to a Final Four. Uh-oh. Wow. They had a great year, nevertheless, without their All-American Paige Becker. Gino will be back, trust me. And in the other game tonight, the Virginia Tech Hokies. Uh-oh. Let me tell you what's so important about them. They are, the, and I forgot who they're going up against, but they are the first Division I women's team with a black male coach, Coach Brooke, one to win the ACC tournament. And if they go to the Final Four, he will become the first black male to coach a Division I team and get to the Final Four. All right, give it up for Coach Brooke. Jeff, give me your thought on this. If he makes it and nine and Dawn wins her game now, yeah. you'll have a black male and Absolutely. a black female. Come Absolutely. on, Absolutely. That's incredible. Right there, man. <laughs> Compliment. Listen, man, that's incredible. Uh-huh. Uh, 20 years twenty years ago, you would have never he- heard about this. Yeah. It would have never happened. Yeah. So that's incredible. You know, to Those accomplishments right now. Uh, at this day and time, you got you got to clap your hands. You got to you got to applaud that. Yeah, I would love to see that. You know, we've seen Gino Ariemba break through against right. Pat Summit twenty right. twenty five years ago, but to That's see right. this now with Dawn and Coach Brooks, I just uh, whoo. That's all I can say. All right. Well, I tell you what, man. I hope this leads to 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 women's jobs and coaching. You know, in the big leagues, and you know, in the men in the men's side. You know. Because our sisters can coach. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. That that gender thing is about going out the window. If, mm-hmm. if, if people have any sense, mm-hmm. it's going out the window. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We're going to take a minute, go to commercial, and then we're coming right back with some more women's sports. And we'll see if we can get you through. But if you can't, we'll continue on. All right, now.
All right. I have a story for you before we get into some of the spring sports at our HBCUs. The Women's NIT Tournament. Now, this is the tournament we don't cover much, but many women have. These are the teams who don't make it to Division I March Madness. About a week ago, the University of Memphis played at Bowling Green against University of Bowling Green. Uh, in the first part of the game, Jamira Shute of Memphis was elbowed by Alyssa Barrett of Bowling Green. She had to sit out. She comes back the second half. They play. Memphis University loses. But in the handshake line, Jamira Shute waited, balled up a fifth. I hate to say it this way. And caught Alyssa Barrett straight in the face. Alyssa was on the ground quite a while. Um, it was her last game, she's a fifth-year senior. But the University of Olegree, the police and the system are filing assault charges against the Memphis player, Jamara Shoot. All right. What do we think if you've heard of that? And do you think players should be charged with assault? Uh, these kind of things. I'm going to go to James, see if he can get through. He's popped back in. James? That cliff, that's Yay. one thing that you rarely see in the women's game. All right. You know, you see it sometime in the men's game, but you rarely see that. So, you know, I I think a link, but then again, how can you suspend somebody as a fifth year senior? They well, have no eligibility left. Yeah, but what about the police assault charge? This is this is going to go on this child's record. Ah, I, I I don't know if I want to mark her like that just yet, but something else has to be done. Maybe money, restitution. I don't know. Jeff? Yeah, one of the things you have to take into consideration is if you, if, you know, women are pushing to be treated equal. Okay. And so one of the back backlashes is going to be well, why would we give a break, you know, to a woman in that situation and not give a break to a man? That is definitely going to be front page if if the decision's going. So you got to evaluate it, you know, really take a hard look at it, what to do, and then and then make a decision. Dr. Kemp, Dr. Kemp before I go to you, right after you heard Jim, I want you to come on in, give us about 10 to 15 minutes of men and go ahead and go straight through. No commercial with Willis Reed story, okay? Marlo. You know, I just I just hated the fact that she, you know, she waited until the end of the game, um, you know, just to react without, you know, pulling the player to the side or even her coach or, you know, however she, you know, handled. I think she could have definitely handled that situation mm -hmm. um, a lot better. Um, I mean, because that's what she's going to be remembered for. She won't be remembered for, you know, her program or how she played, you know, at, at University of Memphis or, you know, at Memphis, um, you know, scoring however many points, what, over a thousand points. You know, mm -hmm. she was ranked 13 at the school all time in career points. And she won't be remembered for that. She's just going to be remembered for the student, you know, that assaulted somebody here again, another player you know another um another story 
you know, coming out of Memphis, Tennessee. So I just hope that, you know, I saw that, well, I kind of was looking and I saw that she apologized, but, you know, hopefully, you know, they'll take that into consideration. Um, you know, and, I, you know, we just wish her well, you know, just wish the young lady well, because we all know that um, she's still young and that is not a, the way to, you know, handle, you know, situations. Absolutely. So. Jim? Let's go straight to the man. Jim, let's go. Hey, uh, D2 was won by Nova Southeastern of Florida, 111 to 101. And Nova Southeastern just uh, was a juggernaut this year in terms of D2. They just steamrolled just about everybody they played. They're located in Lakeland, Florida, but they they played like hey, they're the real thing. I have a former uh, member of my mentoring group that went to Nova Southeastern. So they've always had a good program. D3 was won by Christopher Newport mm -hmm. in a close one. 74-72 over Mount Union. Jim, is this the same one where the women are in the finals? I believe so. Wow. Okay. Out of Newport News, I know where they are. Keep going. Okay. D1 Final Four, which has been a shocker. <laughs> I mean, if you were to bet anyone you lost. <laughs> that Princeton would be in playing after all of the four all of the four number one rank from each from each division were eliminated, you would win. Those odds are worth are better than the lottery. <laughs> but that's what happened. Even though Princeton was only in about a couple of hours after, I believe Houston was the last Final Four team eliminated. But you know, Purdue first round, uh, second round we lost one, and the third round in the Sweet Sixteen we lost the other two, Alabama and uh, Houston. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is very unpredictable this year. You've got UConn. You've got let's see, UConn. Mm -hmm. FAU <laughs> beat Purdue. Yeah, FAU, another team in Florida, out of Boca Raton. UConn, which a lot of people had going to the Final Four, and San Diego State, which is a team out of the whack, which actually they're trying, they're trying to get into the Pac-12 after UCLA and USC leave. And this would greatly help their uh, their cause for that. Mm. So next week, I think we're going to see an outstanding yeah. Final Four. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the upsets now, make it exciting. Absolutely. I hate to say it like that, except the, especially if you lose. Except on my bracket, though. That's the only problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it, it, it has been highly teams. <laughs> but, you know, but you know what? Even with my bracket, I had Alabama in one. I'm still in the lead in one of the, uh, one of the brackets. Jim, Jim, what do you think about the ending on the Creighton-Gonzaga game? What do you use the clock to determine? Well, two things. Was that a foul that they made the free throw on? Mm -hmm. One could say, you know, at the end of the game, you know, no blood, no foul. Mm -hmm. 
And number two, yeah, the ending with the ball going out of bounds. Mm -hmm. I think even if they'd have given him some time, it'd have been less than 0.3 seconds, which would have caused it to only be a, a tap, tap mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. So, you know. But we'll we'll see if those referees go on to the next game because it's very hard. <laughs> they they won't say that they made a wrong call, but you won't see them again for a while. They put them in the deep freeze for a little bit. <laughs> but you know, usually at the end of the games, if you think about Duke's Popovsky, mm -hmm. he got hammered and they didn't call it. This is one where the guy got barely touched and they did call it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And both of those come down to, you know, maybe costing a team the game. Mm -hmm. Now, NBA updates in the Western Conference, 6th through 12th place is separated by three games. Mm -hmm. You know, the Lakers currently hold on to the ninth seed, so they're in. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks, who have been all year in the top six, have fallen to number 11. With the Utah. It, Hold up, Jim. Tell me, tell me, is Kyrie bringing another team down? You know, we from the Nets. I'm glad we got rid of him. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I don't know, Cliff, because Luka Doncic got his 16th technical last night, which means he's going to, have to miss a game mm -hmm. in the NBA. Once you get 16 in the regular season, you have to sit out a game unless one of them is rescinded. So, you know, and, and even in the game against Golden State, Luke had a chance to make a layup, missed the layup, and was looking for a foul and made a little money symbol like the referees were taking money. Mm. So I can't blame it all on Kyrie. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. this also is a team that went to the Western Conference Finals last year after beating the Phoenix Suns. Mm -hmm. But I think the key there is losing – Jalen Brunson to the Knicks, who's that steady influence that they don't have now. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, having said all that, Dallas could go on a three-game winning streak. Golden State, which is 9-27 and 27 on the road, could lose two on the road, and it could be flip-flop. Mm -hmm. That's how close that, 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 that uh, Western Conference 6-12 through 12 is. Mm -hmm. Now, in the Eastern Conference, the Pistons basically have clinched one of the three spots for the uh, best chances to get the French big man, Victor Wembeyama. Wow. They've been sitting out roughly seven, eight of their players each game with quote-unquote injuries. Mm -hmm. But on the uh, flip side, the Bucks, the Celtics, the 76ers, and the Cavs all have clinched. Since so I got New Yorkers on there, Mm -hmm. The uh, Knicks are fifth, and Brooklyn, after trading Kyrie and KD, is hanging on to sixth. When does the playoffs in the NFL, the, uh, NBA? Usually around March fifteenth. Okay. Usually around March fifteenth. In the NFL, oh no! One more thing, John Morant, who had been suspended for eight games, I think missed another two. For conditioning, getting back into shape, has been coming off the bench. Mm -hmm. They've won all three games for the Memphis Grizzlies, and he's scored at 17, 18, and had 27 points last night. All right. 
Now, an interesting footnote. Uh, John and probably Jalen Brown are vying for that six-guard spot on the All-NBA end-of-the-year team. If they want, maybe one, maybe none, maybe both will make it. They will cost them upwards of $38 million for the one who misses that team. Mm-hmm. You know, one side, if Jalen Brown doesn't make it, it might cause the Celtics not to be able to sign him and have to trade him because Sally can't read. John Morant, who's already lost $700,000 in salary, one endorsement, and another endorsement put on hold, could lose a lot of money as well. So that's going to be something to look at. And I think, too, if they if he doesn't get it, that will call, it make it hard for them to re-sign Dylan Brooks, who is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Now, quickly in the NFL, okay. Aaron Rodgers saga, you know, probably be going on to June. But the Jets want to give away a second-round draft pick while the Packers want a first-round draft pick. So that's holding that up. As a Lions fan, let the good times roll and keep on fighting. Over. <laughs> now, on the other hand, it's found out today that Lamar Jackson requested a trade yeah. from the Baltimore Ravens because they are not meeting his contract demands. Mm. I'm hoping that Ozzie Newsom will be able to smooth this over and they'll be able to sign the young man quickly. Disrespectful. <laughs> I, I think it is, Jeff. I, you know, people have argued on my other show. They argue about uh, my man Deshaun Watson getting all the guaranteed money. Mm-hmm. That there probably is collusion with the NFL owners that we don't want to give away any more guaranteed money contracts. And Lamar is the one that's asking for that contract. Mm-hmm. Lamar has stayed out of trouble. Unlike Deshaun Watson, model citizen and a former unanimous MVP. So if anyone should be asking for that money, it would be Lamar. All right. Now, without the commercial, mm-hmm. we will go into Willis Reed. Mm-hmm. And just as a sidebar. That's Willis Reed and another former Nick, uh, Dick Barnett, were set to be the coaches of the HBCU All-Star Game in Houston on April the 2nd, which will be next Sunday, the day between the Final Four games on Saturday and Monday. And they had, I think, 12 HBCU players on each team. You know, Willis Reed is a... uh, I share a birthday with Willis Reed. I tease Cliff about Michael Jordan. I have Willis Reed and Dale Curry, born on June 25th. Mm-hmm. Willis Reed was born in June 25th, 1942, in Hico, Louisiana. He was the only child of Willis Sr. and Inel Reed. You know, and he was born on a farm in Bernice, Louisiana, but the family moved to, no, he was born in Hico, and they moved to Bernice so he could ensure to get education in the segregated South. 
He attended Grambling University, a historically black HBCU college. Playing for the Tigers, he scored 2,280 points, 26.6 per game, and 21.3 rebounds during his senior year. He led the Tigers to one NIA title and three Southwest Conference championships. The Knicks selected Willis with the first pick in the second round of the 1964 draft. He quickly made a name for himself as a center. He scored 46 points against the Lakers, then the second most points ever by a Knicks rookie. And the day before he died, I think his record scoring for the Knicks was broken by I'm I'm sleeping on his name. I'm looking at him. Julius Randle. Okay, Knicks. They struggled, and Willis was annually selected for the All-Star. I think it's seven out of ten years he played. He was an Mm All-Star. He played for the championship Knicks teams in 1970 and 73. And I believe the 73 team with Walt Frazier, mm-hmm. uh, Pearl, Earl the Pearl Monroe, Dave DeBusher, Willis Reed, and Senator Bradley, Bill Bradley. Former, yeah, Bill Bradley when was Bill one Bradley of the best him. top to buy. And uh, like Cliff said, uh, that's one of the best top one through five teams ever. In the championship, in the seven in the game in the seventies, he came. Uh, he mm-hmm. hurt his thigh with a torn muscle that kept him out of Game Six. He was unlikely to play in Game Seven. He came romp- romping into the court during warmups, prompting prompting widespread applause. He hit the first two field goals of the game, and then those are the only points of the game. Willis, they were said that when Wilt Chamberlain, who should have really dominated with Willis Reed limping around, saw him come out of the tunnel, he was so spooked that he played terribly that game. After his playing career was over, he coached at Creighton University from 81 to 85. He's assistant coach with the Hawks and the Kings and was the head coach of the New Jersey Nets. Mm-hmm. Willis Reed had many philanthropic opportunities and he was promoted to senior vice president of basketball operations of the Nets, which made the finals in 2002 and three. Mm-hmm. He was vice president of the New Orleans Hornets of basketball operations and he retired in 2007. He was enshrined in the NIA. A Hall of Fame in 1970, 82, the Naismith Basketball Memorial, 97, he was on the 50th anniversary team, 2021, the 75th anniversary team. Okay? Yeah. He he was, like I said, very well thought of in the NBA. Cliff made a book, good point. He was like Bob Lanier yeah. under Harold Center who made his mark after the game just as much as before the game. Jim, can I jump in just for a second? Sure, Jeff, Jeff, who also grew up in New York, and, and then Marla, I was to chime in 
you know, as our time is ticking on the show, one fact for Michael and everybody else, Willis Reed was the first player in NBA history to be named the NBA All-Star Game MVP, the NBA Regular Season MVP, and the NBA Finals MVP in the same year, okay? So that's Willis Reed, the kind of impact <clears throat> And the second thing is that um, the influence of historically black colleges on the foundation of the NBA, you talk about that five players, but they also had a bench, and coming off that bench was Dick Barnett. So on those championship teams, Willis Reed grabbed them from the swag. Earl Pearl Monroe from the CIAA and Dick Barnett from Tennessee State. Three out of their top seven players on Red Holzman's team were HBCU. So the HBCUs, before our players started going and getting recruited by uh, PWIs, uh, they came from HBCUs. As a kid, I didn't know that. I didn't know about HBCUs, and I sure didn't know where they came from. Um, that game where he came out and limped, Walt Frazier always makes a statement that when he came out that hall as a captain or came out that locker room, that Wilt, I mean, Willis provided the inspiration and Walt Frazier went crazy and provided the devastation. He scored about 36 on him after that. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, Jeff, I'll let you talk, Marlo. Yeah, well, you, you good points right there, Cliff. W one of the first things that impressed me about Wilt, he came out of a small town to New York City and rookie of the year first, first time out. You got to understand the conditions from where he was coming from to a big city like New York. That's like another world to first, you know, first year players. So for him to make those accomplishments in the first year, yeah, that's that's big time right there. And I think the next thing that really impressed me about him, you know, the Knicks were really, it took them a few years to get off the ground. But once the pieces were in place, they made the trades, they bought in, you know, when they bought, they bought in, you know, Barnett, they moved Clyde to the point, that was huge. But then when they bought in DeBusher, mm -hmm. and Wilt bought in, because, you know, they were, they were moving him back from forward to center. But they bought in the Red Holtzman's plan. Listen, this is going to be team ball. That's why they were they're, they're talked about as the greatest team of a short time era. Because one through five, one through six, the ball was moving all the time. You don't see that. You, you don't see that now. And then another good thing about Wilt, which I really appreciate. Hey, Willis, Willis, Willis. Willis, Willis, I'm sorry. Everybody yeah. talks about when he came out of the locker room and the crowd went crazy. And if anybody's ever been in Madison Square Garden, that is an arena where you cannot hear the person next to you talking <laughs> when the volume is up. It was the seventh game that really impressed me because remember, he sat out that sixth game. They went back to LA and got smacked. He was playing head up against Chamberlain. Come on now. Mm -hmm. At 6'9", come on now, with, on one leg. It was the seventh grade. He only played, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, one half of the seventh grade, seventh game. And his teammate, his teammates were so encouraged, they were up by like 20-something, 25, 27 points in the first half of the seventh game. That game was over. He didn't even have to play the second half of the seventh game. 
So that that was impressive to me. This this man was a this man was a player. He was an old <laughs> player, but he was a player big time. And you're right. I, I think he does match up well in terms of comparing him to Bob Bonilla, that big 22 size foot. Yeah. And, and guys that were even bigger off the floor and what they did the community and, and the greatness on the floor. Marlo, yeah. get something in, Marlo. Willis Reed, the captain. Well, I'm I um I'm sorry that he passed away, you know, when he did. Um, but I'm I'm glad that I had a chance to find out, you know, who he was. Um, because um anytime you get Howard Cosell <laughs> say something about you, you know, and we kinda all grew up with Howard Cosell, but I remember like you would mention it that after that game seven. Mm -hmm. He told him that, quote, you exemplified the very best that the human spirit can sure offer, did. end quote. Um, and then another, you know, after just reading about him, his cousin uh, was Orlando Woolridge. Mm. And he actually drafted one of our guests that we had on the show, Kenny Anderson, um, Derek Coleman, and then um, Chuck Daly. Mm. That's big. <laughs> yeah. That's Captain. big. Yeah. Captain. Well, Jim, a great segment. Great segment. Um, well, quickly, let me just say this. The things we don't know. He was actually mentioning Curtis Blow's basketball. Yes, sir. And the Beastie Dang. Boys long burned the fire. Come on now. Come and, on. you know, as, since I have New Yorkers on, <laughs> we talk about Wally Pip, which I felt like today when Jeffrey came in, when I couldn't get on the first half, I had to get in. You know, it's known as a Willis Reed kind of performance when you come off the mat and play with injuries. Come, come on, on, now. Come on, now. Hey, man, let's get a great job. Great job. Great job. Hey, no, I'm, I'm proud. Jeffrey did an excellent job. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Jeff, because Jeff has grown up his whole life and he's seen the Knicks. Yeah. Where does he compare when we start talking about, and I know those are great teams, the greatest Nick of all time? Where do you put Willis? Great question. Now, I'm a little biased mm -hmm. uh, because that that big pimping Walter Clyde Frazier, in my yeah. opinion, that that man was a true a true player and i'm talking about two-way player ask phil chenier he knows about it oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that man was a two-way leader and, and what impressed me he can control the game he played both sides of the court he was a scorer but he didn't go nut mm -hmm. he played within the team system he bought in the red holzman's game plan you, those guys between him and Will, ah man, that's a hard. I mean, sorry, between him and him, him and Willis Reed, that's a hard. Uh, that's a hard pick for me. That's a hard pick for me. But the best thing about it is they they go hand in hand because of the team play. The team play, I agree. Yeah. So that's a that's a hard. Team. Now as for inspiration, <laughs> the captain. The captain. <laughs> yeah. The captain. Yeah, no doubt. Marlo, we always need the last word. What do you have before we get out of here? I like the fact that they call him the captain because he definitely uh, lived up to that name. 
All righty. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. Well, team, great job tonight. Jim, we're glad you got through. Next week, we have Fisk oh, yeah. University Hall of Fame basketball inductee, Renee Spencer. It's going to be great coming on. And then two weeks after that, Jim, give us the name again. We have the president of the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference coming on to tell us what's going on there. What's his name, Jim? Uh, Terrence Smothers, Jr. Terrence Smothers, Jr. Mm. Now, we spoke to the uh, commissioner before on Mark Jones' show, Dr. Kiki Baker-Barnes, but he's going to be just as dynamic. And then two weeks after that, we have Shanika Randall Lay. Now, her name was Shanika Randall. In 1998, she was the starter for Pat Summit. And they were Pat Summit's only undefeated national championship team. She played with Tamika Holstar and Tamika Ketchum, all three on that team. She's coming on the show. So we have a lot for you. And then we didn't get our tennis in the night. But Clark University's tennis team, women, are in first place in the SIAC. And their coach is coming on the show in about two months. We're going to cover all the sport, softball, tennis, baseball, track and field. So we're going to get it in for you. Now, you need some more sports, 48 hours from now. 9, 10 a.m., WFDF. Yeah, Mark, Jack, James, Reggie, Sal, Luther. There's a lot on the show. And they let me stop by still sometimes. And again, it's on the our station. So until then, we'll see you 168 hours from now. Rest in peace, Captain Willis Reed. Thank you so much, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night Thank everybody. you. Great show.